yeah. There it is. Hey, you technically say we won't spam you. I like spam. Spam sandwich, spam fried, amen. So that's just me, but I hate spam phone calls. All right. You, do you ever get them? You get them a lot, all the time. And, and, you know, the car warranty that you didn't pay for. It's like, why is that? Why are they still doing it? They're still doing it because it keeps working. Hey, somebody's answering the phone and buying the car warranties that you don't need, right? It's kind of dumb. Um, Anyways, I hate those kind of phone calls. I usually just don't even answer them. I've actually missed calls from people that I don't have their number programmed into my phone. And they're like, I ask nobody. And then they leave me a voicemail. <laughs> like, help! I'm like, oh, um, my marriage is in trouble. I'm like, too bad. We don't have life group tonight, so you have to wait two weeks. Uh, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> hey, let's get going into this. Uh, we, we're in a series called Faithful. We're in John chapter 21, and today we're going to talk about the title of the message is Beyond the Betrayal. And uh, anybody ever been betrayed? Like, betrayed on one level or another, it was like somebody said something it didn't. Um, and, and we're like, how do I get beyond a betrayal? Now, some betrayals are bigger than others. Um, other betrayals are like life-changing, and we're going to talk about how do we get over those things today. Uh, but I do know this, that the only way that you'll live a peaceful life is if you learn to let go of the hurts of the past. That is the only way. The most peaceful people I know aren't people that haven't had things happen. It's they've navigated those things. They've went through the storm, but they've learned how to navigate, and they've determined, I'm not going to let the past keep me stuck. I'm not going to let what happened to me affect the rest of my life in a way that I don't fulfill God's plan. And so with, with Jesus, he's, again, been showing up to his disciples. And we're going through what happened after the resurrection. And, uh, and so let's get into this. And if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. Um, we're, we're just we're glad that you're here because I believe that God has something great for you today. Amen. Like Krista said, open up your heart. And we had our, our train wreck first service, which actually wasn't our train wreck. I was actually thinking I live by the train tracks. And there was a train that went by the other day that I wish would wreck because it was full of lumber. <laughs> Yeah, Bob, and I'm like, there's millions of dollars of two by fours, and we need this to build a new building. So, and if the train happens to derail by my house, it was not me. Okay, just so y'all know, because there's a train by the pastor's house. But if I just took a videotape, and I was like, that is thousands of dollars rolling by my house. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but, uh, but God will provide. Beyond the betrayal, have you been betrayed? And we're going to talk about how you get over that stuff tonight. And, I'm, and this isn't a, hey, you heard my sermon and now you're over it thing. It's a process. It's something that we learn to do because Jesus obviously learned to do it. So I want you to live a peaceful life, uh, and I want you to learn to let go of the hurts of the past. Um, here, here's, here's how we start. There's nothing you can do to change what you did or what someone did to you. You can't change that. It happened. Now what do we do? Now what do we deal with it? There is a way to get over it. There's a way to get through it. And it all has to do with a choice. Okay, what happened to you does not have to hold you captive. Because the captivity is on you. Okay, once you learn to let go of things, um, and it may be a, a daily battle that you fight. It depends on the level of betrayal. There's, uh, there's some betrayals that are horrific that take a lot more work to get into. And I'm not here to tell you every betrayal is the same. That's not true. Okay, some have lasting scars. Some have lasting things that you will fight to the day you die. Um, if, if there's a betrayal like, you know, somebody treated one of your favorite baseball players to another team. <laughs> You'll get over that, okay? You'll get over that. But if it has to do with, with your emotions or with, you know, your, your physical body or a promise that somebody made to you, um, those are more of a daily battle type of thing. So I'm not up here just saying, hey, every betrayal is the same. We get that. But I do know this. The happiest people are know that I know are ones who don't allow the hurts of life to hold them captive. 
And so we're going to navigate how to get through that. So you can't change the event, but you can change your attitude. And that's what Jesus is about to model here to his disciples. Um, what did he say as, as he was hanging on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes people hurt you and they don't know. Other times they do know. They just like, no, you know exactly what you did. Right? You ever been there? So they try to pretend like they didn't know what happened and know it was, you know, you, you intentionally hurt me. Uh, and so, again, what they do to you doesn't have to control you for the rest of your life. Okay? There's a difference between an event and something that just stays with you for a long time. And Jesus had some serious betrayal happen in his life. So Jesus forgave those who kneeled on the cross and he, and he said it out loud. Okay, so people heard him say, Father, forgive them if they don't know what they're doing. He, sometimes you just have to speak it. Sometimes you have to speak the forgiveness. And when you're tempted to hold whatever it is against somebody, what I have found is, is forgiveness doesn't necessarily set them free, but it sets you free. When you can walk in it every day and say, no, I, I remember forgiving them. And when the devil reminds you of what they did, if you can out loud say, I just choose to forgive them. I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't even want to forgive them. But the Bible says, for me to be free, I have to forgive. And so I am making it a choice. And a lot of times we think that forgiveness is a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a fact. And a lot of times, well, I don't feel like I forget him. Well, did you speak forgiveness? Yes, so then you forgave them because sometimes you've got to forgive day after day after day after day. That's just how we have to do it. And so Jesus actually spoke out loud, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And he was being crucified by Romans, but he was betrayed by his best friends. And so we're going to go through this little story toward the end of how he deals with that. All right, John chapter 21, verse 1 through 14. We're going to read this first and then we'll discuss it. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Again, this was a week or so after um, his, his resurrection. He stayed around for a while. Uh, third time that he would have appeared in, the first time, two times he appeared, they were behind locked doors. They were scared. Now they're outside by a lake. Uh, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. This is the Apostle John writing. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and two other disciples were together. He's probably referring to himself and one other person. And history has it that Jesus had told them to wait, like wait around by this mountain, by the lake, and I'm going to show up. Um, and so we don't really know for sure exactly what they were doing, but they were waiting apparently for Jesus. And, and Jesus doesn't show up. And what do you do when Jesus doesn't show up when you think he should show up? Now, Jesus doesn't usually give you a time. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to show up at this time and on this day, and this is exactly how it's going to go down. Usually Jesus just says, hey, wait, and I'll, I'll show up when I need to show up. And like Gandalf, a wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to. There's a lot of Jesus in that, that Jesus arrived precisely when he means to, when, when we need it the most. And so they're just waiting, waiting around. And finally, Peter's like, I'm going to go fishing. Simon Peter told them, and he said, we'll then they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Once again, like I told you last week, there's a lot of time Jesus is there and you don't recognize it doesn't mean he's not, okay? Sometimes he just doesn't show himself. He's there, and they didn't realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, John talks about himself in third person. I think John, he, he thinks pretty highly of himself, which isn't always a bad thing, but in this thing, he's like, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, I mean, he's like, it was me. 
said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. Like, the guys are playing, about time you got dressed, bro, because this was really uncomfortable. You're fishing naked. We don't really like that. If I take you fishing and you strip him, I'm going to throw you out. It ain't going to happen in my boat. All right. And, and he jumped into the water. Now, Peter's always jumping at something. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals and fish on it and some bread. So Jesus is cooking. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Now, Jesus did this one other time. Okay, when he told them to, to cast out into the deep water for a catch, and they did because they fished all night, didn't catch anything. And they said they had so many fish that the net was actually tearing. Okay, in this particular case, there's another little miracle, not just the catch of fish, but the fact that the net was not broke. What does that tell you? That tells you that Jesus is in control of a lot of things that you don't think he's in control of. It's something as simple as a net, something as simple as a fish. So bring some of those fish that you have caught, which Jesus actually caused it, but he's giving them credit. And he says, come have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Okay, when it says none of the disciples dared ask him, they knew they, they were still kind of questioning, like, is this really God or not? Okay, Jesus came and he took the bread, he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. Now, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples and after he was raised from the dead. Let's talk about it. I titled this Dealing with Doubters. Okay, Jesus has showed up for the third time dealing with a group of people that promised to be with him to the end, promised to die with him, promised they'll never betray, and they broke all the promises that they made to Jesus, especially Peter. Peter's like, if anyone else denies you, I won't. I'm ready to go to death. And as soon as they're like, hey, we're going to arrest Jesus, they arrest him. Peter's like, yeah, I don't even know the guy. Peter's like flip-floppy. He, just, he doesn't know what he believes. He thought he knew what he believed until things got hard. And then he wasn't quite sure that Jesus really was who he said he was. And you might be in that spot today. You, everything's easy to believe. Like Christian said, when life is good, it's easy to believe that God's in control. But as soon as life goes sideways, you're like, okay, where's Jesus at? Well, he's always there and he's always watching. And so he's going to deal with these doubters. Again, two locked doors, now it's, uh, it's on the lake. So what I love about Peter here is they were, they were expecting him to show up sometime. But when it didn't happen, Peter said, you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm going to go do something with my life. And when you're in a holding pattern, when you're in a place that you don't understand what's going on, the best thing you can do is be faithful and be productive. Like, you're, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't think God just wants you just to sit around and do nothing. And Peter at least has this self-motivation to go, you know what? I'm a fisherman. I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what Jesus wants of me. I'm just going to go fishing. And so he decides to go fishing. And he's a leader because the other guys are like, hey, I'm going fishing too. So they all get in the boat and they go out and they fish. And they fish all night. Catch nothing. I love this. When you don't know what to do, do something productive. Yeah, just do something productive. Pick a weed on the way out through the parking lot. Pick up a piece of trash. Say hi to somebody. Right, do something nice. Let the air out of somebody's tire who just needs a little more Jesus and needs to stay at the church for a little bit longer. You need to pray a little more. See, Peter's not waiting for something to happen. He's going to make something happen, and I love that. And I appreciate self-starters. Now, on the other hand, Peter was always jumping into things, like without thinking, like doing stuff, cutting ears off, and doing kind of crazy things. So I think Jesus is going, okay, Peter, you, man, you got a lot of energy, but I need to harness it a little bit. We need to grow you a little bit here, all right? But I appreciate self-starters. Anybody else appreciate self-starters? Like, they just, just take care of things. Our staff is full of self-starters, and I love it. Verse 4 through 14, Jesus, he, he sees them, and he asks a question that he knew the answer to. And the question was, catch anything? 
What do you say to a fisherman who gets home? What do you say to a fisherman that you see on the river or on the lake? What do you ask? The question men always ask, did you catch anything? And then you go, like, what'd you catch it on? And they're like, I ain't telling you, because then you'll catch them. But a good fisherman shares what it is that they're catching fish on, all right? And, and he's like, did you catch anything? And they're like, no. Here's how I know human nature. I don't think Peter's like, yeah, we fished all night and didn't catch nothing. It was great because we were on the water with a bunch of naked guys. It was awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what Peter was thinking. Because I know human nature. I know fishermen. They, they wanted to fish. And they didn't just want to fish. They wanted to catch. There's a difference between fishing and catching. Like, what you been doing? Fishing. Well, I want to hear you've been catching. Right? And they're throwing their nets all night long and got nothing. Nothing. So I think Jesus is like, hey, what'd you catch? They're like, nothing. I think it was an attitude. They're tired. They're grumpy. They're hungry. Jesus is about to give them breakfast. And I think they're all just like, this is not good. Because fishermen like to catch fish. It's always happier, right? When a fisherman comes home with fish. Well, they caught something. There's always the story. But nothing is never really a good answer to a hunter or a fisher or a shopper. Have you ever talked to your wife and she got home and said, wait, what'd you get? Nothing. No man has ever had that question answered that way. Um, that didn't go over very well. So let's go to the guy's side. Um, okay. Now, ladies, when you go shopping, most of the time you bring back something. Even if it didn't fit and you don't like it and, it was, and, and you, you, you take it back. And I often have this view that's bad to talk about from the pulpit that a woman spends more money in fuel taking things back than they do actually spending on the item. But that's beside the point. And y'all know I'm talking truth here, right, ladies? Because y'all just got real quiet like, he's right. How did he know? I have three girls in my home. I know, I know what that's about. Well, I didn't like it. I was like, well, what'd you buy it for? When's the last time a guy hanging on the gun or a tool? Went, yeah, I just don't like it. I'm taking it back. No, I'm keeping this sucker, man. I'll just buy another one. It's like, if you didn't like it at the store, don't buy it because you're going to make it. But let's, let's move on. And then it's the blame. Well, COVID doesn't let me try it, and I can try it on here. That's cool. We love you. But shopping, all right, you feel better when you come home with something. Even though you don't like it and it was half price, but it was half price, so you feel good about it. It's like catching a sucker fish, right? When you can't eat it, at least you caught a sucker fish. I mean, it's like, hey, I got something. So I know human nature, and Jesus is asking a question he knew the answer to. And then he asks them this question. He says, hey, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Okay, It's a matter of feet, feet, like feet. And a matter of fact, they weren't fishing with reels, like throwing the 80-yard cap. No, these guys were throwing a net. So they're throwing it on the left side of the boat. And Jesus is like, hey, throwing it on the right side of the boat. And you'll, and you'll catch something. Now, I have my suspicions that, that Jesus wants us to be fishing on the right side of the boat. Because in our world, there's a right and there's a left. There's a right and there's a wrong. And we need to stay right when we don't know what to do. I have a confession to make that I confess to first. Okay, some of you have been around, you've heard the story before. I was at Home Depot years back, and I pulled out or pulled into a parking lot, and there was a, a car. I think it was a Subaru. And um, somebody, you kind of know where I'm going with this, maybe. Um, and, and the Subaru had non conservative bumper stickers. Okay? And the one bumper sticker, Bob, that got me, it said, doing my best to tick off the religious right. Only they had the word, the P word. I don't use that word. Okay. Doing my best to tick off the religious right. And so I get in my truck and I'm driving off and I'm like, I got to take action on this. So I turned around and I parked next to it and I got my notepad. I wrote, I said, at least you admit we're right. And I put it on her windshield and I drove away. Yeah. So that's, that's confession time, right? Because if you're not right, you get left. 
Okay? We need to be right with the word of God and we need to live right. Okay? So, you know, cool with that? That was my commitment. It was probably like, that was my car. Um, probably not. Probably not. I just took some action. I can't just preach it on Sunday. I've got to live it during the week, right? I've got to live it. So that was my honoriness that, that did things. All right. And Jesus, he knows that they've not caught any fish. And he says, put it out on the right side and you will find some. Why do I tell you this story? The story is important to me because Jesus cares about what's important to these guys. These guys are fishermen, right? Catching fish is important. And here are the guys that denied him, that didn't even believe he came back to life, that are like kind of running from him. And they don't even think he's the Messiah anymore, okay? Until he shows up and shows up like, I'm real. I got, here's my whole, okay, Thomas. He dealt with Thomas last week and, and now he's dealing with these guys. And, and he cares about the little things. He cares about fish. So don't think that Jesus doesn't care about the small things in your life. He really does. He, he will bless you through the little things, all right? He cares about those things. He cares about what you're going through. He really does. He cares about those things. If he can care about some knuckleheaded fishermen and, and their catch of fish, because I can tell you what, if it was me, I'd have been like, yeah, they betrayed me. They denied me. Lord, just let their boat sink. Boom. I'd have made a swordfish come up and poke holes inside their boat where Peter jumping around going, okay, even as fresh water, Jesus can do what he wants. Because I would have been a little bit vindictive. Like, yeah, you're both sinking because you denied who I was. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus actually blessed them. He blessed the doubters. He blessed the deniers. Jesus is better at being God than I am. I'll tell you that much. I'm glad he's the Lord and not me. Because I'd have been a little vindictive here. Like, just let it sink just, just enough that they cried out. He cares about what you're going through. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give to you the desires of your heart. That's what he says. Give to you the desires of your heart. So God cares about what you're facing. He cares about what you're dealing with. Jesus is about to prove that not only did he conquer the grave, he's also in control of fish. So think about this for a moment. They fish all night long. If they would have caught fish all night long, would it have been a miracle? Pastor Chase, can I have you turn the AC on for me? Is that what you're doing? Okay, I'm roasting up here. So I'm preaching on fire, and it has nothing to do with wearing two shirts. Um, is it warm in here? I don't ask you that question. I don't care. I'm, I care. It's going to be AC. I'm not asking you what you want. You never ask the congregation what they want because you'll get 150 different answers. Um, I'm the pastor. I tell you what you need. Okay, you need to be cooled down. Thanks, Pastor Chase. He's the main. I need like a remote control, huh? Well, I have a remote control, but I can ask my staff member what to do. Anybody? Thanks, Pastor Chase. That feels much better already. Yeah. All right, let's get back on track. All right. I'm not preaching on hell, so I didn't want it to be too hot in here. All right. But hell is real. All right. He's in control. Okay. He's in control of these things. He's in control of the fish. Because if they would, again, if they would have caught fish all night long, it would not have been a miracle when Jesus got there. So I personally believe that Jesus kept the fish away from their bow. There's people fishing on a Sunday morning when they should be in church. Lord, keep the fish away from their boat. In Jesus' name, all right? Um, he's like, that's mean. Yeah, it is. You're right. Bless them with many fish, Lord, so they go fishing every Sunday. Um, no. Good. I'm just kind of feeling out here, see where you're at, all right? You're like, this guy's mean. No, I, I want you to be blessed with fish. See, I believe that, that, that God kept them away. Kept the fish away. Jesus did. I think he kept the fish away. Because where would the miracle have happened or the miracle couldn't have happened had there not been a problem? Had they caught lots fish, it wouldn't have been a miracle. But now it's a miracle. What does this tell us? This tells us that Jesus is control of the fish. He controls where the fish go. He controls when the fish get caught. 
Does this happen all the time? I don't know. I've prayed as a dad. I've prayed, Lord, please let my son catch a fish when he was little. And, I, and I'd see it happen. I'd see miracles take place. As a matter of fact, he brought in, I have pictures of it. He brought in a four-foot sturgeon with a six-pound test ugly stick bass pole. He landed a sturgeon. Like We have pictures of it. Vince was with us. We were up at Swamp Falls. We thought it was a big catfish. We thought it was a snag at first. And he's reeling in. And I'm going, that's a sturgeon. It's 48 inches. And we got these pictures of you know 47-inch Travis and a 48-inch sturgeon. <laughs> Now he's about 60 inches. And, uh, and so anyhow, so that was a miracle because six pound test should have never brought in a sturgeon that big. But it was like one of those prayer things of like God just blessed it and we got the picture, you know, with it in the water. And, and, and now it's probably eight feet, you know, and you might have caught it because we gave it back because it would be illegal to keep it. Just so you know. All right. But where I grew up, you could actually eat them. Okay. So back to the story. Jesus cares about these guys and he does a miracle. So don't ever let your mind tell you that God's not in control of what's going on in the world. CNN, Fox News, all the, all the news agencies want you to believe something different than reality. Because they put out what sells. That, that's really what it happened. I don't really trust any of them, to be honest with you. I trust the Word of God. The Word of God says all kinds of craziness is going to happen toward the end times. And if you don't think we're living in the end times, you need to read your Bible a little bit more. Sit under some more teaching because there's some crazy going on. And crazy has to happen before the Antichrist can get, come into power. I mean, that's just how our world is going to be as in the days of Noah, which in Wednesday night Bible study, guys, we we're talking this week about chapter six. We're talking about the flood. We're going to talk about that. I've been looking, reading two college level books that are very, very deep on what the world was like before the flood. Um, archaeological digs and dinosaurs. I mean, all that stuff existed. A lot of them actually on North America. We're going to talk about some things in Montana and, and North Dakota, like all these archaeological digs that they have found. This world was not always desert. I think it was like amazing things. So that's, that's our Wednesday night Bible study we're talking about. And it's made me more, a little more excited about heaven because we get to see that. It's like, I get it right at T-Rex. Like, yeah, it's going to be cool. And it's not going to bite me. It's going to be cool. So that's our Wednesday night Bible study. It's a lot of fun. Okay. And Jesus cares about these small things. He's in control of this stuff. So what are you feeding? Are you feeding your fear or are you feeding your faith? You got to make sure you feed your faith more than your fears. And the important thing here is that though it didn't make much sense to the disciples, like, hey, throw your net on this side of the boat as opposed to, you know, 10 feet on this side. They're like, doesn't make any sense. We fished. But Lord, because you said we'll do it. And they did it. And what happened? God blessed it. God always blesses obedience. What is the significance of the right side of the boat? Well, for me, it's you'll never go wrong doing right. You never go wrong doing right. Just do what Jesus says and you'll be fine. So what's the result? The result of obedience was a huge catch of fish. What does this tell us? That Jesus is the provider. He cares about the small things. Don't, don't overlook the small things that God blesses you with. And he can reveal his favor on you by a simple catch of fish. Okay, Stephen, is that right? God, God can, Stephen here? Oh, that's Stephen, not Pastor Stephen. Big Stephen. Oh, he, nope, must have been first service. I thought I heard him yell, amen. Maybe it was an echo from first service. It just came back. Uh, thought he was here. All right. He loves to fish. But God can bless you in those small things. He can reveal his favor on you by the simple things that we often miss. Here's what I know. We spend time looking for the big miracle, and we can miss a lot of little ones. Okay. We look for the big miracle or we, or we look at the big problem and we forget the fact that God has blessed us in a lot of different ways. So my goal is to wake up thankful every day. First of all, I was thankful for a second chance at life. Thank you for a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. Thank you for a great church family that I'm a part of. I, I try to wake up thankful and say, God, there's so much you have blessed me with. Okay, there's so much you've blessed me with. Life is so good. 
I know this. I'm not asked to understand God, but I am asked to obey him. And so I don't have to understand everything. I don't understand my iPhone. My iPhone 5 SE. That's what I'm still rocking. Never broke the screen yet. Probably happened someday. But it still works. I see my wife on her iPhone 11, or is it a 12, babe? I don't remember. She has the one of the, I think it must be 11. And there's problems. They're like, ah, it's not working. Travis has got his iPhone, whatever it is. It's, it's, ah, it's not working. And I'm like, mine works just fine. Just do the updates. Right? Just, just keep, it, keep it simple. And so, who has a problem with me having an iPhone 5? Okay, that's what I thought. A lot more than, lot more than I thought. I'm going to get a flip phone from now on. Um, I'm just going to do it, all right? And the reason I have an iPhone 5 is the reason we're building a new building, doggone it, because I'm good with money. Still works. I ain't fixing it. So this obedience brought a blessing, and, and it always will. I, I think about big old tires. When I drive by big old tires, I think about obedience. That's, I think of that, oh, go, that's, oh, just be obedient. Just do what God asks you to do. So after this awkward breakfast, and the reason I say it's awkward is, is they're like, they were kind of afraid to ask who they knew it was him but they weren't afraid and I'm, here's what I'm thinking I'm going to get into Peter's mind here I think Peter's going you know Jesus still hasn't talked to me yet about the things that I did because there is no record of Jesus talking to Peter about bro we need to get this let's just get all the cards on the table but you, you, you lied to me you said you'd be there you denied even know who I am you cussed you reverted back to the fisherman that you, you cussed. Okay? You ran off and you, you told the lady, I didn't know, and you didn't even believe it when you came and looked in the tomb and I wasn't there. You didn't even believe I was, I was the Messiah. Peter's never had this conversation. You ever had the conversation you know is coming, but you don't want it to come? You're like, this is just going to come and I just need to get it over with. And we feel that tension there. When I was a child, I had a, a, a Saturday night where I did something wrong. And my dad, he gave me a choice. He said, okay, I can spank you tonight or I can spank you in the morning. And I'm thinking, Sunday's coming. It's a Sunday full of grace and mercy and the love of God and the love of Jesus. And, and what I didn't think about, it's also my dad's a man of his word. He's going to do what he said he would do. And, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll defer. I'll, I'll take it tomorrow. I didn't sleep very good that night. I mean, like I'm nine and I'm going, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? How hard is it going to be? Where's it going to be? It's going to be on the blood. It's going to think where's it going to be. And I'm thinking over and over, okay, this is not good. I didn't sleep good. So hours of torment and agony. And I think my dad was very smart, very calculating in what he did because it was torture for hours. And I wake up and I, and I remember getting my clothes on. I'm standing in my bedroom next to the bunk bed and, I'm, I'm, and I, hear the, I hear the voice that no son wants to hear when there's tension. Stan. <laughs> and it was a low tone of voice. And I'm like, no. Um, and I wish I would have been a preacher then because I would have talked about grace and forgiveness and honor. And, and he would have talked about don't, make your word, or don't, don't break your word. So, and, and so I walk in there and he's like, you chose today. And I remember I got next to the couch, and it was a pretty good spanking. And from that point on, I decided getting a spanking right away is much better than waiting hours. It's like, let's just deal with it. And that's what I am. I'm like, let's throw the cards on the table right now. Let's talk about it. You have an issue with me. Don't go, hey, I need to talk to you in a couple days about something. No, no, let's talk about it right now. Anybody else like that? It's like, let's just get it out. Whether you're leaving the church or you hate me or whatever, all right, I just need to know now. Don't play that stupid little, hey, I need to talk to you, but I'm going to tell you what about because I may not keep that appointment. I'll be like, no, we'll talk about it now. Just give me a heads up of what it is. And then you've had those conversations where somebody needed to talk to you. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're like, hey, I just want to bless the church. What do you need? And now we're in, you ever had that happen? You're like, oh, I thought it was going to be something bad. Because when you're in full-time ministry for 30 years, you get used to people saying, we don't like you. We're going somewhere else. Where we can find a pastor we don't like there either after a while and then move on. 
If you grew up in church, you kind of know that that's what happens, all right? And so, so the, Peter, he's always thinking, hey, this conversation. I think Peter's thinking everything because he's always thinking about something. And, and he's like, Jesus is like, hey, we need to go for a walk. And Peter's like, oh, the walk of death, the walk of shame. Um, and we know he was walking because later it says they were going and, and somebody was following them. It was the disciple who Jesus loved. So let's read this, and then uh, we'll get into it. So again, there's no record of, people re- or of Peter repenting to Jesus at this point. And Jesus has yet, okay, he rebuked them for their unbelief, but he has yet to rebuke them for their running away, for their denial, okay, for Judas betraying. We don't see Jesus deal with that stuff. We don't see him bringing up what happened. And I believe that Jesus forgave Peter before he even denied it because he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He said, but when you come back, when you come back, I need you to strengthen your brothers. He was basically saying, no, you're going to be a pastor when you get back. You're going to deny me. The rooster's going to crow three times. And, but when you come back, when you, when you get forgiven and when you get restored, I want you to follow me with everything. And of course, Peter's like, what are you talking about? I'm going to go to death with you. But Jesus doesn't do this, okay? Jesus could have paid them back, but he didn't. He actually blesses them with fish. He could have sunk their boat. He could have said, I'm going to get them one more time before I give them their life job. But he didn't do that. He didn't curse them. He actually blessed them with fish, the very ones who doubted him, the very ones who denied him. Isn't that hard to do that, to bless someone who treats you like that? It really is. But at the end of the message, we'll talk about how do we get over stuff. Well, it has to do with forgiveness. So it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't bring up this stuff, because I sure would have, okay? And so Jesus moved beyond the betrayal. How did I get that? And I want to show you an illustration that I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning because I never thought about this until this morning. So what I felt, God talked to me just in my devotion time. Again, it wasn't out loud. It was just I was sitting there drinking an amazing cup of coffee that my wife made me because she bought this new, is that a mocha machine, babe? She's like my personal barista. It's awesome. She's like, can I make you a coffee? I'm like, oh, yeah, by the fire, read my Bible. And you know, she just, she serves me. She's amazing. But here's what I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me. So this illustration is, is each of us have a life book, and we're on a certain page. I think every day is like a page, and every day we flip a page. And what I felt God wanted me to share with you is ask you where your bookmark is. Like, like where is your bookmark? Where are you supposed to be? Where are you at in your life? But is your bookmark in the past? Because each of us, if you've been betrayed, if you've gone through something hurt, you have a bookmark in the past. And the more you look at the bookmark, the more that's where your page opens up to every day, right? Because it gets used to, now this is a hard bookmark. Um, your page opens there. This book is a book on loan. It's called The Devil and Karl Marx. Karl Marx was a, at one point a believer in Christ and became a very, very evil person as the man of communism, okay? Became very evil. So this is kind of an autobiography about his life. Um, He became an atheist and became very, very hateful toward Christians, toward Christianity. So he left something, okay? So where is your bookmark today? Now, here's the good news. I have a a bookmark here uh, that a friend gave me last week. It's John 3.16. John 3.16. The bookmark you should keep in your life book is the day you got saved. Is the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. All right, that was in the past. So you're in here in the story, but it's never wrong to go back and say, okay, that was the day that I gave my life to Jesus. That was the day that things got good with me. Um, now there's some earmarks in here. Of some, you can go back and look at, you know, here was my tragedy. Okay, my tragedy is here, but if I have a big bookmark at my tragedy, I'm going to live there. I'm going to go back. Okay, the other ironic thing is the other bookmark, the actual bookmark I had in here is Alden Wagner Funeral Chapel. 
And I was like, that's ironic, right? Like the day of my salvation and the day of my death, <laughs> okay? Because my friend works here. And, and so that was the thing I thought, okay, God has a sense of humor because I didn't have a plan for the book I was going to use or the, or the you know, either bookmark, but one has John 3, 16, and the other one is the day of death. And I thought, God knows what he's doing. Even on a Sunday morning when I didn't think of it, he gives me this idea of this illustration. But where's your bookmark at today? Because if your bookmark, if your main one is in the past and you're in the future, you're just going to live there. Every day you get up, it's going to fall to the past. It's going to fall to what happened to you. Well, we have to change our mind to go, okay, yeah, I, I, I betrayed Christ or I was betrayed by somebody. There was pain. I can't change that. I still have to flip the page. But where do I choose to live? I want to choose to live on John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? That whoever believed with him, and not just believe like, oh, I believe in Jesus because the devil believes in Jesus, but the word believe there is to accept him, okay? Will not perish but have everlasting life. That's where I want my bookmark to live, and that helps me be thankful. I still have to live page 365, okay? But I can go back and go, okay, what am I bookmarked? So today, my question is, what have you bookmarked? Okay, what's, what's the bookmark in your life now, and is it hindering you or is it helping you? You get to choose what that's going to do. Jesus had a bookmark. The bookmark was a week or two before this where his, his friends who said, we will stick with you to the end, completely left him, betrayed him, denied him. Jesus could have left that bookmark and he could have said, Peter, we need to talk about something. Peter's like, I know what's been coming. And Jesus doesn't mention a word about the betrayal or, or the denial. He, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't even bring it up. Isn't that great? doesn't even bring it up. So that means in your life, he doesn't bring up the past that you have been forgiven of. If it comes up, it's of the devil or it's of yourself. Okay. It's of yourself. So we have to learn how to get over it. And here's what, here's what he does. He forgave and he moves on. Jesus didn't deny it, but he's dealing with it. So here's my question here is, has your story kept you stuck? Has your story kept you stuck? Because everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Has it kept you stuck? Are you stuck in the past? Is your bookmark back there and you're like, I just can't get over it? No, you can. It's just that you won't. How is that for harsh preaching, right? Because a lot of times we're like, well, I just can't get over it. No, you can. You just don't want to. Well, no, I want to. Well, then how come you're not? I get to ask fun questions as a pastor, right? I really get to do that because my heart is to help people get over these things. And then Jesus deals with this. He deals with this. He deals with Thomas. Now he's dealing with Peter on an awkward walk after an awkward breakfast. And Jesus may have known Peter's thoughts. So instead of asking these questions that we would ask, why did you deny me? Why did you cuss? Why did you bail? Why did you lie? Why did you break your promise to me? Jesus didn't do that. He asked them this weird question. When they were finished eating, verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He says, you know that I love you. Now we don't know what the these were. There's no scholar okay, that knows exactly what the these were talking about. John doesn't say these. We don't know if Jesus looked at the nets and said, Peter, do you love me more than that? Because he was a fisherman. He loved fishing. Do you love me more than these? We don't know if he was talking about the boats. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than the boats? We don't know if Jesus was talking about the disciples. Do you love me more than these guys? We don't know what the these were. And I have this suspicion that Jesus leaves it a mystery on purpose. Because everybody has a these. And the question is, Jesus asking you, do you love me more than these? Whatever your these is. Whatever your these is, it could be your insecurities. 
Okay? It could be possessions. It could be a lot of things. What is your these? Do you love me more than? He's not saying, Peter, you can't love fishing. You can't love nets. You can't love your friends. He's just saying, you can't love them more than me. Okay? Do you love me more than these? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you. I love you more than these. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Okay, we know now that he's talking about children. Like they're the little Christians just raise those kids up because he's going to be a pastor. Okay, you just love, love the little ones. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Okay, you're going to pastor people. You're going to take care of people. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And here it says Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, I think with less enthusiasm, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. I think now he's going, he's going to bring up the past. He's going to bring up my, my denial. He's going to bring up the things that I did. And, and Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, okay, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And, and John says, and Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. See, John would know because John was the last disciple to live. He would be banished to the island of Patmos. He would write the book of Revelation. Okay, he would write first, second, third John. He would write, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, Jesus lo- loved John, it seems like, the most. At least it seemed he had the most favor. At least John thinks that Jesus loved him the most. All right, ladies, I know this. Jesus loves you the most. Men are second. We are. He loves his girls. So if you feel unloved, know that Jesus loves you more than the guys. I just have that feeling. When I get to heaven, he's going to be, hey, Sviar, how you doing? He's like, hey, Stan, what's up? <laughs> that's, I'm cool with that, all right? I think, I think God has a really, a really soft place in his heart for ladies. Why? Probably because you tend to listen to him more than us. <laughs> you, send, you tend to hear more than and So Jesus is dealing with this. And again, if you don't know that Peter would eventually die on a cross, okay? History has it that he died upside down. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my Lord was. Um, Other historians say that that Peter's wife was also crucified as well, and they crucified her first. There's actually a conversation they had before they crucified her, and then they crucified him. And and that's, that's a horrific thing. But Jesus was alluding to, this is how, he said, you will raise out your hands. He said, you, you will die for me. And I don't know how many years it was. Okay, but that was the kind of death that, that would, John said, that's what he was alluding to. John probably looking back going, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. And so in this, okay, he deals with Thomas. Now he's talking about, do you love me more than these? Okay, here's what I know. Every, everyone has something that competes with God for first place in your life. Every single one of us. We have something that competes with God for first place. I'm not saying that you put it in first place, but it competes. Something competes with you, and you got to keep your priorities in straight. See, it's, it's not that you can't love fishing or boats or friends. You just can't love them more than God and have life turn out good. you got to love God first. So priorities are not proven by what you say, by what you pursue. People can tell you what their priorities are, but if they're not pursuing those priorities, okay, they're pursuing some priority. Ladies, you know, if a husband says, you're my priority, but he's always off somewhere else, you don't feel like it because priority is kind of a feeling, right? We know what people prioritize. And Jesus is telling Peter what he wants him to do next. Okay, you're going into full-time ministry. Peter, again, would die a martyr as a proof of his love. But Peter had to deal with some things. 
He had to deal with some maturity issues, and I think that's what Jesus is dealing with him, because Jesus didn't take John for a walk. He took Peter for a walk, because Peter's, again, he's like, you know, ah! And here's what we find out. This is funny. They have this deep, intimate conversation, and Peter is so moved by this moment with Jesus that he's like, Jesus, I just said, I'm so sorry I denied you. I'm just going to do the best that I can. That's not what happens. <laughs> That's why we need to look at the scripture and go, okay, you know what Peter did? And he's, he's like deep, intimate conversation. Jesus is like connecting with Peter in a big way. And then it says in verse 20, Peter turned. They're walking on the beach and talking to Jesus. And Peter turns around and looks and he sees John. And he goes, what about him? What about him? And Jesus is like, we're talking about you. And you're talking, you want to know about John? And I love Jesus' response, paraphrase, what's it to you? What's it to you? He's like, what do you mean, what about him? Peter, we're talking about you, man. You're the one that denied, you're the one that ran, you're the one that did, and you, you're worried about John? We're not talking about John, we're talking about you. Isn't it great how when somebody confronts us, we like to deny and then deflect? Yeah. If you want to talk about someone else, or you just have a bad attitude today. Well, it was the driver's driving on the way home from church because I live that way and the traffic is still bad, right? It's getting worse. I'm used to a horse and a tractor and now I got a bunch of cars that I have to deal with on the way home. Oh, poor me, uh, four mile commute that direction. Uh, all right. And, and so he, he says, what about him? And I'm thinking, what is Jesus thinking? What's in his mind going, why are you asking about John? We're talking about you. Again, I've noticed when people have their issues brought up, we get real defensive over things. We want to deflect it to somewhere else. So maturity takes coaching. And Jesus is coaching him here. I would think that Peter would be so thankful that he got a second chance, that he would be focused on himself and not John. Not asking about somebody else, but saying, yeah, Lord, I just got some things to work on. Okay? And, and John isn't, again, the one who denied Jesus. So here's my takeaway from this. My challenge is to spend more time focusing on our behavior and less on the behavior of others. Like I, I got to focus on me. I got to focus on what I need to work on, what I need to fix, where I need to grow, where I need to mature. Because our world right now is pushing a lot of stuff of what other people are doing. And a lot of what other people are doing don't even affect us as Idahoans, but we get spun up about it. Because why, what we feed on is what we're, what's going to grow. And so we got to be careful not to feed our fears. Okay, but it means here that we don't ignore sinful or mean behavior. We deal with it. But it means we put the focus on proving ourselves. If we could all get up on the morning and say, you know what? I need to be the best Christian I can be. I need to be the best human I can be. I need to love anybody I come into contact with and show kindness and smile and a handshake. I, I, I did have, uh, I was in a store the other day. I didn't have my mask on in this store. Some lady had her mask on. I was walking by her. And I just said, how are you doing today? She's like, mm. Well, God bless you too, all right? I'm just trying to show you a smile. I'm just trying to be friendly. Um, she wasn't happy. Most people say hi, right? But, but she, she could tell she was just like kind of put off by my friendliness. Like, why are you having a good day? I don't know. Maybe she was the lady that had the bumper sticker. I never thought about that till now, but possibly. It was years back. Maybe it's still scarred her. I don't know. If we were a building project, we'd focus on being one of two things an interior decorator or a chief inspector. Now you gotta have both, but all too often guys, as Christians, we spend a lot of time being chief inspector over other people as opposed to interior decorator because it's really easy to inspect. It's really easy to see where other people are failing. It's really easy to see where people need to work on instead of looking at ourselves. I personally wanna challenge us as a church family to, to work on the interior decorating side 
to say, I want to be, I want my heart to be right. I want my heart to be what Jesus wants it to be. I need to quit being like Peter and focusing on somebody else's behavior because I can't control other people's behavior. I can preach and I can say, hey, this is how you should live. But I want to focus more on myself and loving people instead of pointing out all what's wrong in the world, try to be a little bit that's right in the world. And that's by simply loving people. Regardless, age, race, color, what don't matter. Just to love people because in God's eyes, we're humans. Okay, we're humans and we need to love each other as humans. Again, like I said, the beauty of a rainbow is the different colors. That's the beauty of a rainbow. It'd be a boring if a rainbow was just white. Wouldn't be a rainbow, would it? Okay, not one color is better than the other. God made a rainbow to be beautiful and it's the beautiful is in the differences. And we as humans need to say the same thing. Okay, we got short people. We got stinking tall people. Right? The beauty is in the difference. And we need to see that as Christians. Okay? We need to see people as people. God's children that are worth loving. Amen? We need to get better at that. So, interior decorator or chief inspector, my question for you is this. What is your tendency? Because we all have them. We all have tendencies. Do we, do we tend to be the interior decorator to say, I just need to work on myself? Or do we tend to be the chief inspector? Here's where you need to work on. And I think that's what Peter is being dealt with here. It wasn't the denial. It wasn't the running off. It wasn't the cussing. Jesus was saying here, Peter, I want you to focus on you, not other people. Not John. John has his own things. John never really reveals what those things are. We know what Peter's stuff are because he wears everything on his sleeve. But I want to work on myself. What is our tendency And I think Jesus has shaken his head a little bit over Peter's personality. On the flip side, it appears that Peter has forgiven himself just fine. And I love that. Peter's like, yep, I failed Jesus big time, but I'm serving him now. Everything's going to be great. I think that's how he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, what about John? (laughs) Worry about John. Worry about yourself. So don't live your life looking in the rearview mirror too much. The past is an okay place to visit at times if it causes us to be thankful for today and if it causes us to learn. Okay, I was a mess. You saved me from it. Lord, here's my book. And Jesus looks down and says, what's that bookmark? <laughs> that, was, that was the day that I, that I gave my life to you. That was the day that I marked that my life was a mess. And my life is still a little bit of a mess, but I'm working on it. But Jesus, that's, I'm going to put the bookmark when I gave my heart to you. It's not when I failed. It's not when someone failed me. This is when I gave my life to you. This is when life began to look different. Okay, because this, this bookmark, the funeral home, is somewhere in the pages of your future. You will die and you will face God. We all will. And, I, and I, I, our world, we act like death should never happen. Okay? We are appointed to die. The Bible says that. And we, a lot of times we live like we should live forever. I don't want to live forever in this stinking five foot six body. And that's when I wear heels. Okay. These heels, not like the heels you're thinking of, right? I've never put on my white, well, I shouldn't say that. There might be a, one time I did try them on one time. Um, so I, I, can't, I don't remember it, but it could happen. Because I wanted to get to heaven and have God show you the slideshow. Remember the time he was preaching, he said he never had heels? Here's a picture. <laughs> they were gold and they were shiny and he was wearing them in the closet. And I don't know that that's happened, but I'm not going to say I did it. All right. Where's your bookmark, guys? Where's your bookmark? What are you focused on? What are you focused on? And where is that leading you? Because, because you have a lot of life left. Right. You really do. It might be a day. It might be years. I don't know. I don't know where this world is going, but I know where it ends up. Right. I don't know timeline, but I know that Jesus is coming back soon. And if not, most of us have less than 50 years anyway. Yeah. And the first 50 went by pretty darn fast. Okay. Where's your bookmark? And what is the bookmark? Mine's John three sixteen. I was a mess. This is what God did. And again, I think Peter had this. He, he's like, yeah, I'm forgiven. Let's just move on. 
I love that about him. It's, it's, it's good and it's bad. If somebody who doesn't, like, they're like, yeah, I messed up, but hey, this is live on. Now there's some repercussions for some, from some decisions. Okay, there is, depending on the decision. I was a mess and you saved me from it. Will Rogers said this. He said, don't let yesterday take up too much time of your today. Like you can look in the past, but just don't live there. So the past, I've told you this for years, the past is an anchor or a sail. Okay, one will hold you back, the other will propel you forward. Okay, same event, it can hold you back or it can propel you forward, it's your choice. So God had a plan for Peter. Um, Jesus didn't want Peter held back by bad decisions. And that's what I love about the fact that Peter never, Jesus never really brings up Peter's past. Because why? Because he forgave him before he even sinned against him. Like he told him, you're going to deny me, but when you return, I want you to strengthen your brothers. I want you to be a preacher. That's what he said. And so the, the, the grace was like pre-forgiven. Isn't that a good thing? That we go into marriage or go into relationships saying, you know what? I'm going to get my feelings hurt. Things are going to happen that I'm not going to like. Uh, so if I can do a pre-forgiveness card. Okay, I need this when I drive into Boise or I drive Eagle Road these days. Like I have to tell myself I'm going to get cut off. I'm going to get cut off. I'm going to get cut off. And when I get cut off, I'm go- I was right. So if you, if you like to be right, just tell yourself you're going to, I call it Californian. Okay, that, that means like that you leave. So in Idaho, just... This is be real here. In Idaho, we leave a space between the next car in case they break and we won't, we won't crash into them. That is not an open spot, us being courteous for you to just get in there. Okay, that's just, boy, that's resonating. Um, all right. Yeah, I just say, you know, right? It's just what we do. So, so California means you got cut off without a blinker. It's like, ah, opening, and that's the way some of y'all were taught to drive, like defensive driving. Um, but in Idaho, we're like nice. Let's just keep it that way, right? I will always let somebody, if they have their blinker on, I will let them in. Now, if, they, if, they, if I see them coming five miles in that lane and then they want to, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be Jesus right now. I want to just, I'm going to creep up. But, but I've actually literally had somebody put their nose in their vehicle, right? And it's like, you, bless you. God bless you. You're my practice team. I got to practice Christianity on you. All right, let me leave you with three things and we'll get you out of here. All right, Luke chapter 6, 27 through 28, Jesus gives us this recipe for getting over it. Again, Peter was able to move on from his mistakes, live the rest of his life to the glory of God. And that's what God wants from you today. Don't live your life with a bookmark of this is where I messed everything up. Jesus, yeah, I see that, but my grace covers it. Okay, learn to forgive yourself, learn to move on, learn to learn from it. And Jesus gives us this recipe for getting over it. This is before he was denied, before he was crucified, and he says this. But I tell you who hear me, okay, you got to hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Now, the difference is, is back in Leviticus chapter 24, it says eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Like if somebody pokes your eye out, you get to poke their eye out. Okay, if they knock your tooth out, you get to knock their, wouldn't you, Old Testament would be awesome, unless you poke somebody's eye out. Okay, so, so Jesus was saying, you've heard it said that you can have this retribution. You can, you can get eye for eye, tooth for tooth, ox for ox. I mean, there's these things he lists. This is what damage was caused to you. Then you can cause that same damage back. And Jesus is like, but I tell you a different way. I'm telling you a new teaching. And these are like, I mean, I can't punch the guy back. And Jesus is like, no, you got to love him. I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. So those three things will help you get over the past. Okay? Do good to those who hate you. Just do good to them. Just do good to them. Matter of fact, it'll annoy them when you do good to them. Because they want a reaction. 
bless those who curse you. You have people to curse you, people who don't like you for your stand on your walk with God, for your stand politically. There's a, there's a lot of people will curse you, and it says bless them. And that can be an outward thing, okay, to actually bless them, do something nice for them. And he says, pray for those who mistreat you. And what I've found, it's really hard to be mad at somebody I'm truly praying for. Yeah. Somebody that really annoys me, and I start praying, God, I just pray your blessing on them. And I don't want to, Lord, but I'm praying it because that's what you told me to do. And what I have found with some people in my life that don't like me and just start playing blessing on them, I start not being mad at them anymore. And here's the deal. I'm not held captive by their choices. Because if I don't forgive, I'm held captive by their choice. I'm the one that lays in bed thinking about it, and I don't want to be that way. So it's a daily choice. Okay, it happened, but will I let it control my life? And maybe some of you need to write that down right now. Will I let it control my life? It happened. Can't stop it. Can't change it. It happened. Will I let it control the rest of my life? Will I let it hold me captive? Last thing I wrote down here is, Jesus doesn't want a bad decision in the past to hold you captive today. Jesus doesn't want a bad decision in the past, whether it was you or whether it was somebody else, to hold you captive today. He who sets, the sun sets free is free indeed, right? And God wants us to live in freedom. Amen? Did you learn something? I hope so. Yes. I saw that. We were going to close with this song, but we're not going to close with this song. We're missing the guitar player. No. It's good. You guys good with just closing with the thought? All right. My final question, where are you at with Jesus today? Guys, this world is coming to an end. Okay, I'm not afraid. I'm excited. The more I see, the more excited. Jennifer and I, we, the more we see, we're like, yeah, Jesus is coming back. It's going to be good. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about seeing Jesus' word come to pass. In the end times, the world will go crazy. We'll see crazy things. And, and I believe that time is upon us. Okay, I'm not saying when, but I'm saying we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to stand before God and give an account of your life? And here's what the Bible says. There's a heaven and there's a hell. Jesus does not want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to pay for your own sins for eternity. That's why he came and died on the cross. He paid for them for us. But I have to accept it. I have to ask for forgiveness. I have to to recognize, Jesus, you did this for me and I need you in my life. I have to repent of my sins. That's, That's how we get to heaven. And if you've not made that decision, it has to be a conscious decision. It's not, well, I believe in God. The devil believes in God. That doesn't count for anything to believe in God. You have to put your trust in Christ. Amen? He's here with his arms wide open. He loves you. He knows what you did. He knows every sin you've ever committed. He still wants you on his team. He still loves you. He's just open arms like, son, daughter, I'm just ready for you to come home. Yeah, you made a mess, but heck, we'll put a bookmark there. It says John 3.16, and we'll, we'll get on with life. So if you would just bow your heads for just a moment. I, this is kind of a private time between you and God and me. I want to pray with you, but if you've never given your life to Jesus today, there's forgiveness that is amazing. He forgives you of your past. He comes into your life and he, and he changes you. And if you need to make that decision today, okay, I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave and just me and you, the Lord, and just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. And I will, I will lead us in a prayer, okay? Is it okay, I see hands, a lot of hands going up. All right, anybody else? Okay, there's several people, and that's a good thing. All right. You can put your hands down, and here's what I like to do as a church, because we're a family here. That's what we are, and we pray together this prayer. Let's just say it together. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, that's it. Amen. The Bible says that angels shout in heaven. Amen. Who is that? I don't know. That's right.
5 or 6. The Bible says that when somebody gives their life to Christ, the angels in heaven go crazy. And I want to be a church family that sees angels shouting a lot. Not, they would go, oh, again, come on, guys. No, they're excited. And so, again, thank you for making that decision, okay? Because it, it, eternity, man, it, it deals with eternity, heaven and hell. But even aside from heaven, guys, having a life that you live for Jesus every day helps so much on this earth. It really doesn't. It doesn't take all the problems away. It helps us get through the problems. Amen. So if you need a Bible, uh, we have a, a new, it's called a New Believer's Handbook. If you're like new to Christianity, you're like, okay, what do I do now? Um, Pastor Chase, or actually Mary's back there. Oh, but the information, she'll give you one just for free. It's a Bible. Um, if you're brand new and you're first time visiting, if you want a coffee cup, I will tell you this will change your life. Okay, when you drink coffee out of this, you will feel the power of the Holy Ghost from the top of your head. It'll at least stop right here, at least does to me, and you'll have energy for the day. So they're holy and anointed. God made coffee, and coffee's good. All right, all right. Hey, I love you. I have no idea what time it is because my clock is gone. Is, is it a good time? It doesn't really matter. It, 12, 20, 31? 20, oh, I give you a gift of... A short sermon. Praise God. All right. Hey, Wednesday night again, if you're interested in the flood, what the world was like before, okay, archaeological stuff is going to be really cool. Genesis chapter 6. So read ahead if you want to uh, do that. Um, and if you can't show up Wednesday night, we do everything online as well. Um, been a fascinating study. I'm really excited about it. So love you. Have a wonderful week. And uh, go Team Blue.